Today on the 1012 Podcast, Tim Fitzgerald is here for our state of Kansas State. A lot of shakeup on that roster. Plus, Lee Cothran of the Pen 12 Podcast is going to talk some Big 12 wrestling with us. Three Big 12 teams ranked in the top five. Also, the Big 12 basketball is a gauntlet, and college football says goodbye to Nick Saban. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Welcome to the 10-12, the podcast that covers all 14 teams in the Big 12 Conference, plus Colorado, Arizona, Arizona State, and Utah. We are the flagship show for the 10-12 Network. Find every podcast in the network at 1012network.com, and we are partners with Sport Social, Europe's biggest sports podcast network. I'm your host, Philip Slavin. Thank you for joining us for our midweek episode this week. <laughs> Okay, we got to talk about basketball here in just a second. Um, two great interviews coming up. We're going to continue our State of the Team series. We did Baylor a couple weeks ago. We're doing Kansas State today with Tim Fitzgerald of GoPowerCatsGot.com. Fantastic interview with Tim. He is always a great interview. And then Lee Cothran of Pen 12 Podcast. That is the Big 12 Wrestling Podcast that is part of the 1012 Network. Lee's going to join us for a little Big 12 Wrestling Talk. Missouri, Iowa State, Oklahoma State, all ranked in the top five in college wrestling right now. Also, a number of other Big 12 teams. Really good conversation. Really insightful guide. Stick around for that. If you're a Big 12 wrestling fan, if you're a fan of Iowa State, Oklahoma State, West Virginia, Oklahoma wrestling, or maybe somehow you stumbled upon this because you're a fan of South Dakota State or Northern Iowa wrestling, who are part of the Big 12. We're glad you're here. Stick around for Lee. Make sure you check out the Pin 12 podcast. <laughs> it's one of the best podcast names that there are. Just, just hands down, period. You can find links to it in 1012network.com. That's T-E-N, the number 12, the word network.com. That's the same way you'll find us on Twitter, 1012network, 1012pod on threads and Instagram, 1012podcast on YouTube. All right, we got to talk basketball here for a second. It, it, the Big 12 Basketball Conference, men's and women's, is a gauntlet. It is a gauntlet. It is a gauntlet. Charlie Hustle, I need you to make the Big 12 gauntlet t-shirt or sweater hoodie. Whatever it is, that needs to be in existence because it absolutely is. Look, Houston has to go on the road to Iowa State for their first Big 12 road game, and they get a loss because that's what happens when you play on the road in the Big 12. And and Houston fans, when I tweeted out, welcome to the Big 12, Houston, there were some Houston fans who took it the wrong way. Like, this is the Big 12. I'm thrilled to have you. We're thrilled to have you. This is what it's like in the Big 12. That's not a shot at you. It doesn't mean you're not good. It doesn't mean you're not going to potentially contend for the conference. It's just that this conference is so damn hard night in and night out. Yes, West Virginia fans, I know, I know, you guys aren't any good right now. It's not just that. That's Tuesday night. Wednesday night, Kansas goes on the road to UCF and blows, at one point, a 16-point lead and loses by five in Orlando. Kansas led by 16 at one point, led by eight at the half, and loses, getting outscored 36-23 to in the second half. UCS defense just showed up. but The offense did, too, to mount that comeback. For UCF fans, like, rush the court, fantastic stuff. Absolutely love it. Love to see it. It's great stuff. 
Maybe Kansas is going to get their uh, their three-game losing streak out of the way early. Usually it comes in like mid-February, but maybe they're just going to do it now, get it out of the way, uh, let some other teams feel like maybe this could be their year. <laughs> Texas Tech. Um, maybe that's what's going to happen. Maybe. This is the Big 12. Houston and UCF both have officially been christened as Big 12 members. The, the rite of passage has occurred. You had to lose on the road at a place that's hard to win, like Iowa State or Kansas State. Uh, both of these teams, Houston and Kansas UCF, have gone on the road to Iowa State or Kansas State and lost. And now UCF has a win at home over Kansas. Congratulations, UCF. You are now officially a Big 12 conference member. But it's not just the men's side. It's not just the men's side that's insane. Look at the women's side from Wednesday night. While the Kansas men were losing on the road, the women just wallop. Number four, Baylor. 87 to 66. That's a 21 point win. Iowa State overcomes a 19 point deficit at home to number 24 West Virginia to win 74 to 64. West Virginia fans, uh, enough about the not ranked high enough. We're 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 done with that now. We're over that. We're past it. It's two straight losses. The women's side is hard. It's difficult. Well, I didn't mention on the men's side. Um, UTCU upsets number nine, Oklahoma. I think that's now six top 10 teams who have lost this week. That's college basketball. But in the big 12, that's just a day in the conference. It's not, it's not wild. It's not out of the ordinary. It's a lot of fun. That's just this conference. That's just, that's just big 12 conference play. It's incredible. I love it so much. I love it so much. Give me a good weekend too. Absolutely great weekend of big 12 basketball on the way. Um, I, I, I would be remiss if I didn't say something here. Yes, we're a Big 12 podcast. Yes, we're a Big 12 podcast network. But when the greatest coach in college football history call it quits, we have to say something. Obviously, you all are aware by now, unless you live under a rock or just woke up from a very, very long nap, Nick Saban has retired. He's no longer the head coach at the University of Alabama. Alabama will find a new head coach. Let all of the Matt Campbell jokes rain down. I want them all. Tweet them at us, 1012 Network. I enjoy them ever so much. We can talk about the shakeup in college athletics because Alabama is now open. And if Jim Harbaugh does go to the NFL, like so many people think he will, then Michigan and Alabama both being open at the same time is even bigger than Oklahoma and USC and Notre Dame all be open at the same time. It's absolutely crazy stuff. The impact that Nick Saban has had on this sport since 2007 is immeasurable. College football today looks nothing like it did when he took over at the University of Alabama. Some of that goes to Nick Saban's credit. Some of it doesn't. But the way he has navigated all of that is, it just, no one else has ever done it. No one. To win as many national titles as he has over that stretch, to change who Alabama is as a football program, its style of play in the ways that he did to adapt in the ways that he has to adapt from how you run a program to how you recruit to handling NIL to being able to constantly make fantastic coaching hires to going from a we just need a quarterback who doesn't lose us games to bringing in NFL loaded wide receiver rooms and NFL for number one overall pick caliber quarterbacks like no one has ever done this like Nick Saban has. 
at a time where the sport has gone through more upheaval. Change is constant, and even in college football, but I don't think there's been more change in this sport than we've seen since he took over. And for him to have maintained a level of success, a level of excellence that he did at Alabama over the time period he was there, no one has ever done that. No one, I don't think anyone will ever do that again. Coaches are going to be good. George is going to still be a really good college football program. It's going to be a pain in the butt to deal with. Oh, yes, DC fans who are like, ha, Saban's gone. Now we can, oh, Georgia's there. Oh, okay, cool. I know there are fans who are excited to finally see the Alabama dynasty come to an end. And it it is, like, let's just be, let's be honest. The, I think the Bama dynasty is coming to an end. It doesn't mean Bama's not going to be good or they're going to fall off a cliff. They're going to, they're going to, they've got something set up that's incredible and they're going to make a likely very, very good hire. Hello, Dan Lanning. <laughs> but I, the impact, the imprint, the impression that Nick Saban has, has forced upon this sport during his time in Tuscaloosa, eh, man, it's been fun to watch. Yeah, it's been frustrating. But it's been fun to watch. And now we can all enjoy it because it's over <laughs> to some extent. Um, college football is fun. It's going to be fun. It's going to keep being great. Uh, but I don't know if I, the, the sport is better because he was in it. I think that's fair to say. I think that's a, a just thing to say. Also, just thing to say is that you should be going to charliehustle.com and shopping right now. Have you not been seeing the basketball drops that Charlie Hustle has had this week? It was Kansas State on Monday. It was Kansas on Tuesday. It was a non-Big 12 team on Wednesday. It's basketball season, and they're dropping basketball stuff. And um, I don't know, Scott and Holman, our, our Houston podcast, maybe dropped a little tease on uh, on Twitter or X that you might want to pay attention to over the next, I don't know, maybe when this episode drops on Thursday, maybe Friday. Who knows? We'll find out. All I know is you want to go to charliehustle.com and shop their vintage-inspired clothing because it is incredible. Based out of Kansas City, Charlie Hustle specializes in collegiate and hometown apparel. They want you to be the best dressed fan this season, so be sure to check out their wide selection of officially licensed collegiate apparel today. Show off your school spirit all basketball season long. That's been baseball season, which is here. Softball season, which, oh man, we got a great plan in place for that. Basketball teams are dropping. Go check it out. They've got more than 30 schools to choose from, including all the current Big 12 schools, minus Cincinnati. They've got Colorado. Go to charliehustle.com. Remember the promo code 101215, T-E-N-1215, for 15% off all non-sale items. It's incredible stuff. It's great stuff. It's wonderful stuff. It's comfortable. It looks great. And it's from a company that loves the Big 12, cares about the Big 12, has a passion for the Big 12. So if you've got a passion for the Big 12, if you like us, go shop charliehustle.com. Use that promo code 101215, save 15% off all non-sale items. Charlie Hustle, vintage made fresh. My two great interviews, like I said, Tim Fitzgerald of GoPowerCats.com. It's time for our state of Kansas State. A lot of upheaval there in regards to the roster. Some of the coaching staff, not a ton. Not as much as the Baylor conversation we had to have a couple weeks ago. And then, of course, Lee Cothran of Pin 12 Podcast. We're going to talk some Big 12 wrestling. Mm, three fantastic programs in 
the conference in Missouri, Iowa State, Oklahoma State. Lee does a great job. Two great interviews. Let's get to them. We continue to take a look at the Big 12 teams who are going to experience the most shakeup this offseason and the biggest difference between their 2023 team, be it coaching and roster, versus 2024. We started with Baylor a couple weeks ago. Today we're moving on to Kansas State, who doesn't have the coaching staff turnover that Baylor did. But I would say from a roster standpoint, it's definitely something to keep an eye on with everything that Kansas State is losing and the changes that we will see between now and come August. So joining me today, very excited to have Back on the show, one of the best people if you want to pay attention to Kansas State or just college sports in general. He is Tim Fitzgerald of Go Powercat. Tim, welcome back. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it very much. Always a pleasure to have you. Uh, for those of you who are watching this, uh, sir, the the sweater is fantastic. That's, that's thank wonderful. you. It's my my hoodie. It it's supposed to mess with low def. So, like I don't know. I'm I'm bored in life apparently. <laughs> You got look. It's the little things in life. If you can find joys in those, yep. then you should be happy in life, right? So that's a yep. that's a good thing. Everyone in, in podcast land is like, okay, move on, move on. Uh, okay, so let's talk about this team. Let's let's start with the coaching staff because it's the easiest to to talk about. Obviously, it's a big move or a big change to lose yeah. your offensive coordinator, especially a guy who'd been at Kansas State for so long, heading off to A and M. Instead, you've got a, both an internal promotion and an external hire to kind of fill that gap. Uh, Connor Riley, offensive line coach, being promoted. Uh, and then Matt Wells, former Utah State, Texas Tech head coach, coming in to coach quarterbacks. Uh, and and a, is passing game coordinator is the other title, if I remember correctly. Uh, so there's so many titles in there. He's a quarterback coach, co-offensive uh, coordinator, and associate head coach, not to be confused with Van Malone, who's the assistant head coach. So is, is is associate head coach like the as, assistant to the head coach kind of title? Is that how we're going to? Yeah, associate would be in between head coach and assistant in coaching world. They, okay. They've got this whole hierarchy. Uh, you know, of course, um, offense coordinator means you're the offense coordinator. Co-offensive coordinator means you're you're not the offensive coordinator. <laughs> you're just the guy who has a title. Yeah. It's very but confusing. We, we see a lot of that. It's just yeah. a justification for a, a slightly higher pay bump. And it looks better on the resume when it says co-OC than it does Absolutely. OC. And, and, and look, so let's start there. Um, we saw Connor Riley coach the offense in the bowl game, in the Pop-Tarts Bowl. Right? Right. We'll just put the Pop-Tart aside and focus on the game for a minute. I know that's hard to do. Uh, I feel like what we saw from the Kansas State offense under Connor Riley was, I mean, it's a one-game sample size. It's a bowl game, so you you know, take everything with a, a large chunk of salt. But I, I do think, I know Kansas State fans seemed upset by what they saw, I mean, despite the fact they were playing a, a good NC State team yeah. who seemed to care that they were there. But I, I think I liked what I saw from the Kansas State offense in the bowl game. Well, they went in with a couple of parameters for Connor Riley. Uh, one was don't put Avery at too much risk running the ball, which is the strength of his game. So you, you kind of take away what he's best at. Uh, and they didn't do a lot of planned runs. You know, most of it was flush and get out of the pocket. Uh, you know, the strength of his game will be working in the quarterback run game. But the problem being was uh, because of Avery's presence being uh, so, you know, prevalent in the locker room, the other top three quarterbacks, including the starter, Will Howard, all left. So he was the uh, only player with any type of experience. Um, they had... Jacob Canutho, 
a former walk-on. He was scholarship at Minnesota, transferred to K-State. They didn't have a scholarship. He went on scholarship before the bowl game, but he hadn't done anything but run scout team all year. That was the backup. Uh, so you had to keep him upright, keep him healthy. And also, they, they didn't want Avery to put the ball in peril. They, so they asked him to throw it away, uh, you know, whenever in a tight situation. And he did that. It affected his passing stats, but it also meant K-State never turned the ball over and and uh, did a lot of little things to help them win the game. Uh, I thought it was a good plan of attack for the bowl game. We'll, I'll be interested to see what they do with him uh, going forward. They'll still have some depth issues at quarterback, but um, that they, they're going to have to let Avery be Avery. And we know that from seeing how he was used in 23, where he was kind of bottled up as a run only quarterback when he really is much more than that. And look, it's, it's a smart play it safe strategy for right. understanding that Avery Johnson is the future. You don't want to jeopardize him in a bowl game that while fun at the end of the day, like doesn't matter for the future. Yeah. Uh, let's, let's talk about Matt Wells and we can talk about the quarterback room amongst other things. I, I understand Texas tech fans are going to, Ha Matt Wells got fired after Texas Tech lost to Kansas State. Now Kansas State has hired him. Like we can talk about Matt Wells as a head coach all day. That's that's over there. As an offensive coach, um, and as a guy who has coached quarterbacks before, I think this is a great hire for Kansas State. Yeah. It makes a lot of sense to have a guy who has a lot of experience coaching good quarterbacks, has a lot of experience coaching good offense, and has some experience in the Big Twelve, which I never think is a bad thing to have oh. when you're coaching in the Big Twelve. Yeah, I agree. Um, you know, he had a lot of success at Utah State. He coached Jordan Love. He's turned out to be pretty good. Uh, I think there was, you know, some thought there that uh, knowing how to handle that elite young quarterback, which I think everyone around this football program believes that's Avery, um, was an important role here. Uh, I, it took him a while, I think, to shake out all the titles to keep all the, the personalities happy in the room. But uh, I, I like this hire. It's a veteran coach who has done a lot of stuff as a head coach and as a play caller in the past. Uh, I He's really good friends with Chris Kleiman. It, it hurt Coach Kleiman that they chose to fire Matt Wells after losing to K-State. Uh, so I, it didn't surprise us this is where this ended up. Um, we had this, you know, all the top candidates were on our initial hot board, including Matt Wells. And uh, I think it's a strong and honestly safe hire. Uh, he knows he's what he's going to get from Matt Wells uh, as opposed to maybe a younger play caller that might introduce some things to your program that you're not prepared for. I don't know what that'd be, but he knows Matt Wells you know, quite quite well, and he will you know bring a lot to the staff. I think at this point, Kleiman's done enough both at Kansas State and at previous stop North Dakota State to – trust his judgment in these situations when it comes to yeah. making hires. Like I, you just, you, you have to, right? I don't know if you don't want to, that's fine. The Matt Wells jokes, like again, head coach is not the same as coordinator yeah. guys. It's not. Um, let's talk about the roster. Cause obviously a big shakeup. You mentioned uh, the quarterbacks that are gone. Avery Johnson, obviously he is the future. He's the present. Forget future. He is right. the guy moving forward. It's his job. I don't think we're going <laughs> to play the whole, like, well, it's a quarterback. No, no. Um, Adrian Lara, Enter the transfer portal. Obviously, Will Howard, the big one, heading off to Ohio State. Uh, Jake Rubley is off to Illinois State. So the quarterback room is pretty thin. You mentioned they have uh, Knuth, who is there. They're also going to bring in true freshman uh, Blake Barnett in this recruiting class. That still seems a bit, I don't know, precarious of a quarterback mm-hmm. room to have mm-hmm. entering a season when you have what will be a redshirt freshman as your starter. 
is this quarterback room set or do you see them trying to find some experience as a, as a backup situation, maybe out of the transfer portal to help just kind of make things feel a little bit safer for 24? You know what? That's not a priority right now because they've got other priorities and, and, you know, the limited scholarship uh, world. Um, you you got to pick your fights. They're going to bring in a preferred walk on. I, I think they believe Blake Barnett can come in and play much like Will Howard did as a true freshman. Was he great? No, but uh, he, he played and he was serviceable. Uh, so I think they plan on Barnett being in the mix and they're going to bring in a preferred walk-on to run the scout team next year. And they got their three guys uh, at quarterback for the season. I, I do think it's interesting. They went from incredible depth at the quarterback position to having Avery be um, such a presence in that room and an understanding of what his ceiling is uh, and where his floor is just starting out that everyone else got the hell out. So when you talk about 15 transfers, Three of them uh, were, you know, quarterbacks. So 20% of the transfers were quarterbacks. I, I just think that's very interesting. You mentioned 15 transfers. Look, I, I I think we all at this point have to accept that, like, this is part of college football. It Seeing a lot of guys transfer is not uh, an indictment on the state of the program. It doesn't mean it's not, but it doesn't mean it's automatically like, oh, something's wrong. Something's wrong in the locker room. Something's wrong with the coaching staff. Something's wrong. That, it just That's just the way... Things go. Guys have many reasons they enter the portal, be it playing opportunity, NIL, getting closer to home. There's a lot of different reasons why players enter the portal. Um, obviously, some big losses there. You mentioned the quarterbacks, that it has diminished that room. Uh, we look at guys uh, like, um, sorry, uh, Kobe Savage leaving for Oregon. Uh, you lose RJ Garcia, which I think is, an, is not a great loss. Um, 15 guys in yeah. all. Will Lee going to AM. Looking at the transfer portal and the losses they've had, where do you think, outside of quarterback we already talked about, where do you think the losses have hit the worst? Well, I think Kobe Savage was the one that stung. I mean, he's, he was the team captain. There was no indication he was going into the portal. And then, you know, how the portal works now, uh, they start getting those phone calls that say, hey, you're worth more in the portal than you're getting paid at Kansas State, you know, the NIL. And that's not supposed to happen, but it does. Um, and he ended up at Oregon. I think it's a great fit for him. He did get more money out of the NIL by going to Oregon. Uh, so that mission was accomplished. Nate Matlack, a defensive end, kind of stung. That's a that's a kid that grew up a Kansas State fan, was playing regularly. But K-State runs that, you know, that 3-3-5 three, three, that everyone in the conference seems to run. Uh, and he's really a four-tech kind of defensive end he needs to be on that outside shoulder so he went to pit where he can play that or play outside linebacker uh willie he was ushered into the portal to be real honest uh, he, he just had so many breakdowns through through the season that finally with the game uh the final game of the season against iowa state in which he showed really no effort to play and had to be pulled off the field i think the coaches had enough of him um you know there were some receivers rj garcia but you know, to be honest, most of the guys that went into the portal were like, you're not going to get much playing time here. Uh, RJ was a perfect example of that. He'd lost his playing time to Jace Brown, a true freshman. And and there was other young receivers coming up that would probably step over him in the pecking order. So uh, I think a lot of it was guys knowing that they weren't going to play at Kansas State and needed to go find a new home. But a couple of them really stung. The Big 12 is not kind to teams at the bottom of their development cycle. I think we should all have learned at this point, looking at the Big 12, especially the title game ever since it came back, is just saying this team was good this year. That means they're going to be good next year. 
is not a good way to nope. look at the Big 12. Uh, and again, I, I give full credit and full respect, and I give Coach Kleiman the benefit of the doubt. This is a team who's going to experience a lot of turnover. They had a lot of guys back from 22 to 23, but now you're going to go into a roster with a new starting quarterback. You're losing a lot on the offensive line. We've mentioned some defensive players who've left. You're going to have a lot of youth on the offense at that, in the receiving core. Like this is a this is a team that I would say is at the bottom of their of their development cycle and going to be working their way back up. That has not been kind to Big 12 teams. Where do you see on this roster where the development cycle to you is at the lowest? Where they it's not we're not talking about there's not talent or that players aren't going to be good and step in and maybe surprise us, but where there is the most learning to go in that, that room. Well, you mentioned the offensive line and you know, that's kind of Riley's position that he coaches and now he's taking on offensive coordinator duties too. Um, and that says a lot. He's losing the veteran core of his offensive line. He's had basically through the first five seasons of Chris Kleiman being at K state along with him. And, you know, you lose someone like Cooper Beebe, I don't care who you've got replacing them, how promising they are. They're not Cooper Beebe. I mean, this guy, uh, we've had a lot of great offensive linemen at Kansas State, and he's probably the best of all. Uh, He'll almost surely be a first-round pick, and he'll be in the ring of honor as soon as he can be. Um, But you do return some guys off that offensive line. Hadley Panzer comes back, probably will move over to center. Um, and, And... You've got, you know, some other guys that are back. Uh, Taylor Portier uh, was supposed to be a super senior, but had, you know, has multiple injuries now where he's going to get that seventh year of hardship to come back and play. And Carver Willis, a tackle that was pushed into duty this year and started awful. I mean, just awful. It made everyone really fear the process for next year, this upcoming season. And then he turned into a pretty darn good football player. So they've got a core of three guys to start with. And then, they got a you know a transfer portal left tackle that'll step in. So they've got some guys. They've got some good young guys. They just need more development, and that gets to your you know pointing out maybe some of the developments behind the curve a little bit. And I think that's true of some of these offensive linemen. They're going to have to step up starting in spring football. Uh, the tackle you mentioned, Easton Kilty uh, from yeah. North Dakota, um, was a, a lot of teams uh, were going after him uh, with the experience that he brings. I mean. How different, and this is kind of a broad way to start to wrap this up, just how different do you think Kansas State as a football program is going to look the next few years compared to what we've seen? Is this just, this is a Coach Kleiman program. Obviously, there's going to be some changes as roster turnover, but it's still going to look like a a, a Coach Kleiman coach yeah. Kansas State team. Or is this team going to start to look a little different with all the changes that are going on between offensive coordinator and, and just the roster? Yeah, that's a great question because we don't know how much of Connor Riley's playbook will be Colin Klein's. I think a lot of it, because it was a really good, well-designed playbook. Now, as we all know, the playbook's one thing, how it's used as a tool on game day is a different thing. Uh, and that's really the unknown. Uh, and also, Avery is such a um, skilled runner. I mean, he scored five rushing touchdowns at Tech this year, tied the school record as a true freshman, and you know hardly played this season. And so how do you use that ability without becoming predictable and putting him in peril, which is always the case with K-State quarterbacks. K-State likes to run the quarterback, and as a result, the quarterbacks at K-State get injured. Uh, And you don't have that luxury. Uh, And we're talking about a kid that might play at like 205 pounds next year and still look skinny just because of his frame. So 
it's, it's going to be interesting to see how this season pans out. It's really kind of the first recycling uh, of the roster under Chris Kleiman. You know, he had some parts on this team playing last year that were recruited by Bill Snyder uh, because of the COVID year. So, uh, yeah, this this is kind of a, a new beginning for the Chris Kleiman program with a new offensive coordinator, but also a lot of parts back that will have, offer stability. And and as you mentioned, there's you know only really one change in you know personnel on the coaching staff. Colin Klein leaving and Matt Wells coming in. Uh, so I, I think there's some stability there too that helps K State persist through when you know we've seen other programs fall off after having a good season. Tim, we'll kind of wrap on this. You mentioned earlier in this chat that quarterback not a priority when it comes to what they have left to offer from a scholarship standpoint. Looking at the transfer portal, what do you think are the priorities for Kansas State this offseason? They've finally gone out to um, really assert themselves and try to solve the receiver issue. K-State hasn't been good at receiver. Uh, they've been adequate a few years with a Malik Knowles and a Cade Warner to go with a Phillip Brooks to get by. Um, but I think the deficiencies in the receiver room showed up this year. Jace Brown coming on later helped solve that. But they got to get better at that position. And I think that's why K-Staters are really intrigued to see what Will Howard does at Ohio State where having a talented receiver isn't a problem. They've got it. <laughs> um, so I think that's really something K-State fans will be watching. But they're in the portal quite a bit. Um, it, it affected them, I think, without having the offensive coordinator named and the quarterback coach named. And so now maybe they'll have some luck getting some guys or they're in some pretty heated battles with some programs that might be able to leverage more NIL. So we'll see how that goes. But, um, yeah, I'm, I'm intrigued to see how they finish this off. They still want to de-tackle, uh, you know, they, they'll just take, uh, anything up that middle of the defense that can help them get better. Uh, and uh, other than that, I, I I really think they're settling in a little bit. Maybe they'd take another offensive lineman if it's the right guy popped up. But, you know, this program, as you mentioned, getting a North Dakota transfer, has thrived on taking the FCS guys because they come in knowing Chris Kleiman's going to give them a full shot. He he doesn't see them as lesser. He sees them as coming in as an equal. Um, it doesn't matter if they were transferring from Ohio State or or North Dakota. Um, he's going to give him a shot to play. And that's been a good a angle for Kansas State over these last few seasons. FCS transfers are to Coach Kleiman what Juco players uh, were to the previous it's regime. Truth. It's true. Uh, I'll wrap on this just because I want to. Uh, Ben's not. Career's done at Kansas State. He was an absolutely incredible tight end for them. That is a big loss. How are we feeling about the tight end room? which is a position I think Kansas State utilizes better than most every other team in the Big 12, especially moving forward. How does that room look heading into 24? Man, I I never thought I'd hear someone say K-State uses the tight end room well. But they did. <laughs> they did with Ben Sennett. Ben Sennett just became such a big part of their offense. It, it was almost like a Mahomes-Kelsey thing going on here with, with Howard and Sennett. And they were roommates, so they were extremely tight. Uh, he is an NFL guy. He made the right decision going. Um, but they got a good young guy, Garrett Oakley, um, who is a freshman, was, you know, redshirt freshman, banged up most of the year, but came on at the end of the year, uh, played the bowl game. Uh, they've got some other young tight ends. Uh, they, they feel good about the future of tight end. And on top of that, for whatever reason, the state of Kansas has two of maybe the top 10 tight ends in the nation for this next recruiting cycle. Uh, you got Lincoln Cure out in Western Kansas getting attention from it's 
seems like every major program and right now he seems like a k-state lean but you know the process now it um the, the right shiny object comes along that kids will you know maybe go for it so we'll see how that that plays out but uh yeah i think the tight end is going to continue to be a big portion of this offense because uh, they did seem to find a way to exploit exploit things against these big 12 defenses I, I just I think with the new defensive scheme, utilizing the tight end, that's why we saw Oklahoma State kind of shift how they handle the tight end. I think that's a needs to be an important part of your offense to have mm-hmm. success against the the, the three three five that people are are running more and more. Tim, uh, you've been great as always. I always appreciate your time and your thoughtfulness and and what you know. Do me a favor, plug it all, sir. Where can everybody find out the great work you do covering Kansas State and college athletics? Well, it's gopowercat.com. We're on the twenty four seven Sports Network. Um, I'd hope. If you're a fan of a school, you'd be subscribing to the 24-7 site because um, my colleagues do a great job covering their their teams all in a little bit different ways. We kind of do our own thing. And right now, uh, we're really expanding our YouTube presence, doing a lot of stuff, introducing a new show coming up, kind of treading on your ground a little bit with a Big 12 base show. Um, we do a K-State show every Monday at 1 p.m. live uh, called the K-State Insiders and one of my uh, colleagues, Brian Hanley, will be starting up the the Big 12 Insiders, the Big Insiders, uh, on Tuesday through Friday in that time slot. So we're going to launch that next Tuesday. Um, so, But just hop on our Go Power Cat YouTube channel, hit that subscribe button, because that'll help us reach more and more Big 12 people, because we do a lot of Big 12 content. If you're a Big 12 fan, you should be paying attention to Go Power Cat. Tim, you guys do an excellent job. Uh, always happy to have you here. And uh, look, I'm... We all love the Big Twelve. It's okay. Mm-hmm. I'm fine with competition. It's okay. I don't. I don't. I don't run from it. We're good. More people talking Big Twelve is a positive. We need as much as we I can. I totally so. agree. Tim, appreciate your time as always, and we'll talk to you again soon. Thanks for having me on. We are in the heart of college wrestling season, and so that means it is time to bring our good friend Lee Cothran of the Pin. 12 podcast it's just one of the best podcast names period i mean hands down i don't care what sport what it is that is a great podcast name especially when it comes to a big 12 wrestling podcast of course part of the 1012 network lee welcome back sir thanks for having me excited to to get to talk wrestling with you again uh always like bringing it to the masses a little bit talking to uh the the other folks in the network and um, exposing some more of the Big 12 fans to this great, great sport. You know, I'm, sometimes I'm tempted to wonder if we should get a Missouri podcast just because they're in wrestling. Then I go, no, no, because nobody likes Missouri. <laughs> yeah, they made their bed. They made their bed. We, we have tried to get a guy who writes about Missouri wrestling to join our podcast a few times, and he hasn't, but uh, – um, one of these days he'll crack and we'll, we'll have him on. And then that can be your Missouri rep- representation on the 10 <laughs> That's but we got, we got two, we got an Oklahoma state and Iowa state guy hosting a, a big 12 wrestling podcast. That's perfect. That's yeah. perfect combination. Yeah. That's all we need. We don't need perfect. wrestling or we don't need Missouri. We need wrestling. Uh, OU, like they're sticking around for the big 12. I, I will say I am, I am glad that Oklahoma, despite leaving for the sec will stay on as a wrestling affiliate. It just, it makes too much sense to keep them in the conference moving forward. Yeah, ultimately it would have hurt their program in the Big 12 more than it would have uh, um, been a power move. With Missouri, it was a little bit different. This was the first time it happened, but now that conference realignment is just kind of normal, 
this was in the Big 12 is stabilized with adding all the Western Wrestling Conference members, the Dakota schools, you and I. It's really helped uh, the sport stabilize in the middle of the country. And um, I think that keeping OU was a no brainer. It, it, it had advocates from all sides and um, it, it needed to happen. They didn't need to wander in the back desert like Missouri did for a decade. Uh, so, um, but I, I'm so glad that they're sticking around. I mean, once you brought Missouri back, there's a little bit of like, are we, we're going to kick OU out just so that we can bring them back in a few years too. Like it, if we're going to forgive Missouri and bring them back, we might as well just let OU stick around. I don't think Missouri was in as much risk of being cut as OU seems to be. Uh, their fans love to remind Oklahoma State fans that nobody cares about wrestling, which is uh, their lot. But uh, ultimately, they do uh, care about it. They're, they've got a lot of fans. They fill up their building uh, pretty regularly, and um, they spent a lot of money, went out and got a new coach, and uh, they've got a lot of talent. So um, I, I know people there care about it, but if they had gone to the SEC and as college sports continues to feed the football really the football beast more and, and wanting all of those resources to stay with those programs. Um, I think OU was definitely uh, going to be in a precarious position if they hadn't remained in the big 12 and kept Bedlam going and um, kept being competitive in the big 12 conference and nationally. Uh, so um, yeah, I, I think it's for the best that they're going to stick around regardless of some comments from the people who follow me that weren't necessarily thrilled about it. Um, but that's a fan reaction. Totally understood. Uh, I don't like OU either, but uh, end of the day, um, it's better for the sport as a whole. I agree. I agree. Like you, you can be a fan. Don't, don't tell anybody not to be a fan. Just understand like sometimes you have to make decisions that are best for the conference and the sport as a whole. All right. Uh, we can, maybe we can talk about Oklahoma here in a bit. There are three programs that we do need to talk about. Look, the big 12 looks like they are in potentially in store for a very good season. Now what matters at the end of the day is how you perform at the national championships. Um, but as of right now, you've got three big 12 programs currently ranked in the top five in Missouri at two, Iowa state at four and Oklahoma state at five, uh, throw in South Dakota state at 11, um, Oklahoma at 19, West Virginia at 20 and, uh, Northern Iowa at 24 and future big 12 member, Arizona state at 22. And, it, and you've got what looks like a, a pretty strong big 12 this season, top to bottom. But when you have three teams of the top five, which is impressive given how good the big 10 has been. And they, they round out the top five with Penn state at one and Iowa at three. And then you keep going down. It's Nebraska at six and Ohio state at seven. But it does feel like the top of the Big 12 is very strong. We've got, I don't know if we want to call it a three-team race between Missouri, Iowa State, and Oklahoma State with the other talent in the conference, but it does kind of feel like it is a three-team race be between those three schools. I'm, is that a fair uh, assessment of the state of the Big 12, or do you think there's another program at the moment who really can give those three a real run for their money? You can definitely count South Dakota State in as a competitor in the Big 12 this season. Uh, all 10 of their wrestlers are ranked. They've got three highly experienced, very talented 
wrestlers on their roster right now with Tanner Cook at 197 uh, pounds, a returning NCAA finalist uh, who is out there doing the same things. They just beat Michigan in a duel. Um, South Dakota State's a program that's definitely on the rise, and uh, Damian Hahn turned down the Oklahoma job to stay there at, at South Dakota, or yeah, South Dakota State. So um, it's uh, it's definitely looking like they're going to be competitive with Oklahoma State, Iowa State, and Missouri. Um, Missouri still seems to be the favorite. However, they have a couple of, I won't say holes in their lineup, but a couple of weights that they have big question marks in at 133 and 184 pounds. Um, I think 184 pounds, they more just haven't found the right guy. Um, but, and then 149 pounds has been a bit of a, a tricky thing for them, but Iowa state and Oklahoma state, all 10 weights, all 10 guys pretty well set and all 10 are all 20 of those guys are wrestling really well at this moment in the season. You're right though. What does this mean in March when we go to Tulsa for a big 12 tournament and in Kansas city for the national tournament, uh, will these 40 wrestlers for these four programs really show up and get those four programs into the top 10, top eight, top five, uh, finishing on the podium. It didn't happen last year. We felt pretty confident about these same three programs that we're talking about. Um, and only one finished in the top 10. So, uh, it's definitely a bit up in the air right now, as well as they're performing, as well as things are going through January or into January. Um, is this going to look the same when we talk again in March or April? It is an interesting race. I am, I am very excited to, to see how this goes. And this is, this is let me, let me, looking at the rankings as of today, all 10 of Oklahoma State's remaining opponents are currently ranked in the top 25. Six of Iowa State's final seven are ranked in the top 25. And seven of Missouri's final eight are ranked in the top 25. So you, it's not just that these three teams like, are your front runners. They've also got some absolutely loaded schedules before we even get to the Big 12 tournament in Tulsa. Like At, at this point, you not only want to have success, you just kind of want to keep your team healthy. Like at this, These are three programs that like winning the Big 12 does matter. And there's, I'm not going to argue against that. But these are also three programs that have higher aspirations than just winning the Big 12. And so, like, I feel like the biggest name of the game is can you just stay healthy when you're going to run, I don't know, it feels kind of like a gauntlet as far as a schedule for all three programs down the stretch. Yeah, the adage is nobody's healthy at the NCAA tournament. And that's really been true over the last couple of years, especially for Oklahoma State. Um, they've really struggled with injuries the past three seasons. Uh, however, um, some changes have happened that you can kind of see uh, guys are sitting a little bit more. Uh, Missouri has been a pioneer in this where they put a guy like Keegan O'Toole, their 165 pounder, who's a two-time returning NCAA champion. Um, he wrestles and then they, they bump him up a weight class to take on the number three guy in the country at 184 pounds against Illinois a couple weeks ago. Um, but he definitely they, they pick their matches with him with uh, Rocky Elam, their 197 pounder, who's a, a senior, two-time All-American, who's who's had a great career. They really pick and choose when these guys go, and 
um, who they wrestle against. Uh, the thing about the Big 12 programs is that none of them have really been willing to sacrifice duels um, in the name of protecting wrestlers' health. Um, you know, Michigan, we, we talk about South Dakota State beating Michigan, and that's earned in South Dakota State. You can't take that away from them or, or put caveats on it. Um, however, Michigan did sit out three starters in that duel. Uh, so it, it's kind of a question of um, how much do duels matter and then how much do we need to be sitting these guys out. I, I like the mentality, and as a fan, we, we like the mentality of putting your best lineup out there every single time. But um, th there, there's a lot of conversation in the sport right now about pitch counts, essentially, and, and protecting your wrestler's health. Um, you know, Oklahoma State just went to North Carolina State and beat the Wolfpack, uh, who was number five in the country at the time, and has a really great lineup. Uh, all 10 of their guys are um, ex extremely solid wrestlers. But Pat Papalizio, their head coach back in December, um, didn't wrestle three of his starters in the uh, CKLV tournament, which is a, a early season tournament in Las Vegas. And he said, these guys are wrestling a brutal schedule. I'm not going to put them out there for a brutal tournament at the beginning of December when I need them healthy in March. So um, some of that philosophy is changing, and we're starting to see it bleed over with uh, Luke Serber not wrestling for Oklahoma State, um, managing his health as he's been battling a bit of a shoulder injury, um, with uh, David Carr not wrestling as many matches for Iowa State. Uh, we're we're kind of seeing them. Uh, adapt to these things. I mean, look, I it, I know the mindset is you never want to take a day off, but also if the ultimate goal is a national championship, like then that's the ultimate goal, and you need to do what you can to get to that point. Uh, we've we've talked about four of the teams. We mentioned there's a few others that are ranked. Who would you say are the surprise squads in the Big Twelve so far, both positive and negative? Well, South Dakota State, not necessarily a surprise. They had a really good year last season. They've been building to this place where they have 10 ranked wrestlers where they're going to be competitive in the big 12 race um west virginia has had a very good uh, season so far they have uh, four or five guys in their lineup that are uh, looking like podium contenders at 125 141 165 pounds and um they've gone out and they've won tight dual matchups against really good teams. I, you know, they beat Pittsburgh. They uh, just beat Columbia, who's got a really good program. Um, they're out there um, uh, wrestling a really tough schedule, just like everybody else. And they're winning a lot of matches right now. Uh, and they uh, are taking on Oklahoma state this weekend. We'll see how that pans out for the Mountaineers, but um, they've been a bit of a surprise this season because they had some question marks in their lineup. Uh, a lot of young guys coming in and some transfers coming in from the JUCO ranks that didn't necessarily know a lot about. Who's the uh, negative surprise? Uh, negative surprise, um, you know, some of the affiliate members haven't necessarily hit their stride yet. Utah Valley has had some turnover with their lineup. Uh, California Baptist has been struggling as they've moved up to the division one level over the past couple of seasons. Um, 
They do have a really good wrestler in Eli Griffin at 125 pounds, but they've been struggling quite a bit to adapt to the level. Um, and then it's not a surprise that North Dakota State's been struggling because their coach took the Oklahoma job and took some transfers with him, and then a couple of their best wrestlers transferred to Iowa. Um, they did find a way to beat Purdue in a duel, which is speaks to the depth of the Big 12 compared to the Big 10. Um, Purdue's very middle-of-the-road Big 10 program in a struggling Big 12 program like North Dakota State still was able to knock them off in a duel. But uh, um, I, I, I won't say it's a surprise that they're, they've only won one duel this season. Um, however, it is a bit of a disappointment that they've uh, struggled to backfill that depth. So last weekend was a big weekend for the Big 12. You mentioned South Dakota State knocking off Michigan. Oklahoma State went on the road and beat NC State. Iowa State went on the road and beat a ranked Arizona State. As we look to this weekend, we've got Missouri on the road at Stanford. Uh, as you mentioned, Oklahoma State, Pitt, Oklahoma State, West Virginia are this weekend. Uh, who else we got? Uh, Iowa State will also wrestle Pitt. What do you think uh, is the uh, is the biggest or the two biggest matchups this weekend? Um. Looking at team matchups, you're you're probably looking at the Oklahoma State versus Pittsburgh match uh, going to um, Pitt and in wrestling there. They always have a pretty rowdy environment, and then there's uh, four good ranked matchups here at 141 pounds uh, in heavyweight uh, are the two primary ones that I'd probably look at as as really good matchups. Um, the Pitt and Iowa State, they already had a duel this season. Iowa State won pretty handily in that one in a uh, duel tournament that they uh, wrestled in back in December. Uh, so, you know, not really anything exciting to look at there. Um, Oklahoma's wrestling Wisconsin on Saturday, which should be a, a pretty good matchup. They're pretty similar programs right now. They have about the same number of ranked guys. Uh, probably going to finish about in the same spot. Uh, you're looking at uh, a couple of really good matchups there. Um, I'm I'm pretty excited about um, Air Force taking on Wyoming on Friday night. Uh, the 125 pound matchup in that one between Yori Volk and Tucker Owens um, is a matchup that should prove a lot of fire, show a lot of fireworks. Tucker Owens is a real surprise. In last year's NCAA tournament, he ended up finishing around 12th in the tournament uh, out of nowhere completely. And it was a surprise that he even qualified for the big tournament. Um, Yori Volk is a, uh, or was a uh, junior world medalist, uh, world, world champion a couple of years ago, a couple summers ago. And he's had a good freshman campaign last year. And as a sophomore, he's been very consistent. So uh, watching those, those two guys battle it out is going to be a lot of fun. All right, man. I always appreciate your time. I want to get you out of here on this. Um, it seems like a good topic. Nick Saban is retired now as the head coach of, of Alabama. No more. It kind of came a little bit out of surprise. And I'm if somebody wants to argue, that's fine. I don't know how they're going to win the argument that that Nick Saban's retired as the best coach of college football history with what he was able to do and sustain and maintain there in Alabama. 
who do you think is the Nick Saban of college wrestling? Because there are a few options. Obviously, John Smith at Oklahoma State. Uh, what Kale Sanderson is doing at Penn State now, I think, could be an option as well once he is done there. Is there a Nick Saban of wrestling, and who do you think it is? You know, um, John Smith currently, if, if we're looking at contemporaries, I'd say he's pretty close to Nick Saban in that he's won five national championships. He's consistently putting out a great product. Um, he's adapting decently to the changes in college athletics over the past few years. He's kind of weathering that storm with NIL, the transfers, all of that fun stuff. Um, reluctantly, <laughs> in some cases, but he's also found a way to have the two number one recruiting classes in the last three years, brought in some impact transfers, all that fun stuff. Um, I think there's a lot of parallels there. However, it's hard to argue that, uh, and look, I have to go outside of the Big 12 for this, but it, it's hard to argue against um, what Kale Sanderson has done. I think since 2011, he's won all but two of the national championships that have been wrestled, right? I think they, they've won nine now or something like that um, over the past decade since he's been there. Um they consistently have the best wrestlers. They're putting guys in the Olympics. They have um, what they had an Olympic gold medalist in 2021. I'm sure in this summer that David Taylor is a guy that's going to win another gold medal. Um, potentially have another a couple other guys that could do it. Um, they win a lot. They're uncontroversial. I mean. As much as you can look at Alabama and um, hurl accusations at them, nothing's really ever come out that Nick Saban's done anything that wasn't necessarily above board, right? Um, same with Kale Sanderson. You you look at the program and you want to say they're cheating. There's something that they're doing that's just not above board. They're not doing it the right way. Um, but end of the day, there's never been a credible ac accusation and uh, um, they're out there just uh, producing top tier um, NCAA wrestling, Olympic wrestling talent. And then now with Bo Nickel being the best prospect in UFC, uh, they're going to start producing that kind of talent too. So um, yeah, I, I think I'd have to say Kale Sanderson is, is the guy right now, but He's still got a ways to go to catch up to John Smith on um, Olympic champions produced. And then uh, John Smith's head coaching tree, I guess, if you're going to compare those things. makes <laughs> Crazy coaching tree for college football coaches. Um, John Smith is similar. I think he's up to nine head coaches now that he that, that come directly from his influence. So um, that's, uh, that's an interesting conversation. I guess from a winning perspective, it would be Kale. From a overall sport impact perspective, it'd be John Smith. Um, it's hard to measure against a guy like Nick Saban and what he's done for college football, um, or what he's done to college football. I guess. <laughs> no, that's good. Yeah, that's fair. So, so yeah, it's uh, that's an interesting conversation. For sure, uh, it, it, bit of a homer pick to say John Smith, but it's it's true. He's been there for thirty years. He's uh, probably going to cross five hundred wins, and 
Um, probably takes, it'll probably take, like you mentioned, it'll probably take a few years to get there, but, uh, um, I'm, I'm curious to see how that pans out. I think he's at 472, if I recall correctly. Uh, yeah, Penn State has won 10 of the last 12. Um, Ohio State won it in 2015. Iowa won it in 2021. Uh, Penn State finished second in 2021, uh, not too far behind them. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's dominant. It is, it is, it is just, I, and it is ridiculously dominant. It the, is the run that Penn State is on right now. It is, and and look, Penn State. If you're Iowa and you're in second place, and you're trying to think of how am I going to make up a 38 point difference, 38 points of the NCAA tournament is basically uh, two finalists, like that you're trying to make up uh, that gap between first and second place, Penn State. Is is dominant. You you can't just go out and find two finalists to add to your lineup. Um, it, it explains some behavior from Iowa's perspective um, <laughs> over the past couple of weeks. Uh, but uh, um, if you're Oklahoma State, if you're Ohio State, if you're Michigan, you're out there working the transfer portal. You're you're trying to bring in the best recruits you can, and you've got to develop guys and get them up to that level. I mean, I think that the days of just relying on pure talent are over. Um, you've got to, you've got to, as you mentioned, keep them healthy. You've got to keep them having fun. you got to keep them from burning out, which is hard to do in a sport like wrestling. And um, chasing them down is going to be tough. Missouri uh, looks like, you know, they, they are getting close. Um to competing, but you still are. You, again, we're talking about a, a thirty-eight point gap between first and second place. Um, it's it, it's almost insurmountable, which makes which is unfortunate because it makes Saturday at NCAA's kind of meaningless. But um, it's still fun to watch. Lee, always a pleasure to have you on. Uh, we will not wait until next season to do it again. Uh, I think a Big 12 tournament preview is in order. I think we've done that usually, and we'll have yeah. to do it again. Well, Sam and I are always happy to uh, hop on, and we sure appreciate you looping us into the 1012 network. We're uh, happy to be a part of it. and um, We definitely uh, appreciate all the interaction that we get from um, the Big 12 fans that their school doesn't have a uh, – a program. I think Sam put out a guide for the Kansas State, Texas Tech, Baylor fan that is looking for uh, a, an equivalent wrestling program. Um, uh, we'll have to bubble that back up for y'all to to reshare after whenever this when this episode goes that comes out. Absolutely, let's do that. I love it. Uh, yeah, look, Big Twelve fans, you can adopt a team or just go listen to Pin Twelve. Sam and Lee do an incredible job. Uh, very, very knowledgeable guys when it comes to not just the sport itself, but but how things are going, how the sport's being run. You guys do an incredible job, and we are thrilled to have you in the network. Uh, I love having sports-specific shows. Um, I, wrestling was never one we were going to target, but with a show like you guys and you guys as hosts, it just is too perfect not to. So thrilled to have you in the network. You guys keep it up. Lee, we'll talk to you, and we'll have Sam on as well. We'll get you guys back on for the Big 12 tournament. All right, man. Thanks so much for the time.
Social Podcast Network.